This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to Running on Ice, the coolest community in freight. I'm your host, Mary O'Connell, bringing you the latest tech updates, warehouse news, and everything happening in the cold chain world. Not only is there the coolest show in freight, but there's also Running on Ice, a newsletter that could not be colder. You can subscribe to that at freightwaves.com slash running on ice. Today, we are joined by Joel Weinman, Vice President of 3PL Services at Cardinal Health. Welcome to the show, Joel. Thanks, Mary. Great to be here. I'm very excited about today. So we have talked to Cardinal Health, or we talked to Cardinal Health uh, about a month ago about, you know, kind of always having a backup plan and accounting for winter weather. Um, oddly enough, we talked to them in the middle of like a snowstorm sweeping the nation. So perfect timing. But today we're kind of going away from that one and kind of jumping down the sustainability rabbit hole. Before we get too far into that, though, let's get some background on you and kind of how you got started at Cardinal Health. Yeah, you bet. So I, you know, I joined Cardinal Health about 18 years ago. Um, and I didn't come from the healthcare industry when I first came to Cardinal Health. I was actually in a more of a, a telecommunications industry and, and had a great opportunity that was presented to me to come to Cardinal Health and be a part of this great uh, this this great industry and community, which has been fantastic. But that's how I got started at Cardinal. Awesome. I kind of like it. Everybody has a very unique story of how they kind of ended up in the supply chain and logistics, but most of the time it always comes back to like, I wasn't exactly looking for it, but it just kind of found me and it was an offer I couldn't pass up. It was a challenge I just had to take and here we are. So I'm glad that, you know, that, that story has stayed consistent for you as well. Uh, jumping kind of into things, uh, I know last year, last year I, I, I called the shot. I said that 2023, everyone was going to take sustainability goals seriously. Then, you know, the market turned and no one really wants to spend money on new initiatives when the market is down and, uh, you know, everyone's just struggling to stay afloat. So uh, naturally, my prediction did not necessarily come true, but I've doubled down on it for 2024. There is a chance that the market's going to turn here in the spring and summer. Things are going to get more profitable. We've weathered the storm. And, you know, we have the the hint of some new regulations coming down for sustainability. But um, one, so I'm th- I'm calling the shot. 2024, we're taking sustainability seriously. Why is that something that is so important for shippers in cold chain to do? Like, why should they start caring about sustainability goals and researching ESG initiatives? Yeah, I mean, I think specifically in cold chain, right, is that, you know, those shipments take up a lot of, you know, additional, you know, space and footprint in the in the supply chain. So when you think about the coolers, the gels, the bricks, the other components that make up that shipper, that's a lot of extra stuff that can end up in landfills. It can end up as waste that you need to be mindful of. And so you're just increasing the amount of stuff and material that you're putting out in the supply chain when you're shipping with cold chain. I think that that brings up a pretty good point. You know, we have um because a lot of those gel packs they're not exactly environmentally friendly they are typically full of plastic they're not necessarily biodegradable or or they're recyclable to an extent um but then again there also have been some pretty amazing developments in that space of you know reusable totes 
um, cutting down on dry ice, cutting down on packaging things, um, you know, making it all about the, the container and everything like that. I do appreciate a lot of those kind of um, a lot of those developments in that arena. Um, but I guess when it comes to like the individual shippers, like I guess how how big of offenders are these sh- are these shippers? Are you would you say that they are? Um, would you say an average cold chain shipper is higher than uh, than, for example, someone that does? Or let me rephrase that question. Would you say that a cold chain shipper is a bigger offender of carbon output and you know uh, having a higher carbon footprint than a typical dry van or a non temperature controlled shipper? Would you say that, or would you say it's about even? Yeah, no, I, I mean I think it does. Right when you think about non-cold chain shipments, most of that's going out in a corrugated box, right? Which is very easily recyclable and most most often recyclable recycled today. So when you think about the cold chain shipper, it's you know, all the components that are there. I mean, it takes up a lot more more space, but there's a lot more stuff to deal with to figure out what to do once you've uh, processed your order. So I, I do think it has a higher contribution rate to uh, the challenges that are out there in today's environment when it comes to how do we reduce the you know, the, the impact when it comes to the environment. But uh, it is definitely something that a lot of folks, to your point, are very interested in and in trying to figure out how do we how do we improve? I think the the one advantage that we've seen kind of be the most successful on the dry van side is, you know, reducing the amount of empty miles, reducing or pooling things together, kind of, um, you know, making two loads into one or having those partials um, where that's something that's infinitely trickier on the temperature controlled side because, not only do you have to get similar freight profiles and origin and destinations to match up, you also have to get similar temperatures to match up. And that is, as you know, you're an expert in, that's kind of uh, not necessarily impossible, but you're looking for a unicorn. Yeah. But that is something that you guys do very well is that shipment pooling, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. So several years ago, we we developed a very unique solution to consolidate freight across our business going to similar or the same destinations. And so what we figured out was we could do dedicated cold chain trucks that then minimize or eliminates the need for you know cold chain coolers to be used. And we also found that a lot of our non-cold chain products, ambient products, had sufficient stability data to also transport at that cold chain temperature, right? So the two to eight degrees Celsius uh, temperature range. So that enabled us to consolidate freight across ambient or control room temperature products as well as cold chain products on dedicated trucks going to the same destinations. And that eliminated really the, the use of these cold chain packouts and all the supplies that those take up. And that was really a big benefit, not only to, to our processes internally as a business, but to our manufacturers and to the environment. So when you get... That's something that I didn't even think about. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily put that connection is that you know, you do have, let's say you have a couple things of medicine that need to be at, I don't know, four degrees Celsius or something like that. It needs to be ultra cold and or not ultra cold, but kept very cold. Um, but then there's also non temperature controlled products that you can put in there that I mean, as long as you're not putting, you know, chemicals next to avocados or bananas or, you know, as long as you're kind of keeping it for the most part. One of my favorite examples is a pair of jeans. You can toss a pair of jeans next to a, a couple boxes of of medical supplies that need to be kept cold because the jeans can get cold and they still work. They're not damaged. They're still a pair of jeans. And I, how did you even come up with that idea to just start putting some of the more ambient temperature things in there? Because 
they're going to make it out okay, no matter if they're freezing cold or scorching hot. Yeah, I mean, what we did really is we spent a lot of time just looking at the data. I mean, as a large 3PL and the amount of volume that we're shipping, we spent time looking at the data and we really said, where is all the freight going? And then what type of freight is it? And we could then dissect to see, hey, this is how much is cold chain at 2 degrees Celsius. Here's how much is an ambient or control room temperature that's going. And they worked very closely with our manufacturer partners to find out what's the stability data behind your ambient products. Are there any risk factors or, or any risk profiles with your product at these colder temperatures? And if there's not, that was a great candidate to bring those together into the same truck. And that enabled us to really find more efficient ways to move freight through the supply chain. And what we found is that most of the ambient products that we're supporting don't have any concerns about the 280 degrees Celsius, where they get concerns is if it's frozen or if it gets too hot. That's where you begin to have a problem with the stability of these products. Because also, I mean, that's something that most temperature controlled freight, <laughs> they also want to stop it from getting too hot or stop it from getting frozen. So I think that because that's already something that you're designing for, that's already something that you have the ability to capture data on. And I just I am truly kind of flabbergasted that you guys came up with that idea because it seems so simple now that you say it. But even if I were sitting there looking at that problem, I don't know that I would have made I would have drawn that conclusion to just okay, well, we're going to put some more ambient temperature things in there and everything's going to be okay. That is bravo. Bravo, guys. No, thank you. I mean, it was, it was an exciting initiative. And honestly, Mary, it came from this, this desire to figure out how to simplify the supply chain, how to make it easier, how to make it more effective, right, from a cost perspective. It also improved the, the reliability of the transportation and getting product to where it needs to go in a safe and efficient manner. Oh, yeah, because it's going to because not only can you put more on a truck, you can kind of balance that weight, balance the cube out of it. And then you can also, you know, if you have things going the same place, you don't have half empty trucks everywhere. You are filling those trucks at capacity and then you're not waiting for another one to be available. You're like, oh, no, you're just going to go pick one up here, go down the street, pick something up and then drop them off when you get there. Um, That's kind of a win for everyone, because also, you know, those drivers aren't driving around empty. They're making money and all of that. So that is. A very, very smart solution. Because again, you just saw like, well, we got to try it and see what happens. And then surprise, it worked out really well. Right. So when you guys went to go implement this and, you know, you, you had your test area to see, all right, let's see if what happens. It worked. All right. So you got to scale it up. What kind of technology did you guys have there? Was it just kind of, you know, you kind of built out these parameters in your TMS or was it in your order system? What kind of technology was part of this to make this something that you guys just do second nature? Yeah, I mean, some of it, it comes down to the um, the analytics tools that you use to look at the data and, and see like where are the shipments, the size of the shipments, the weight of the shipments, and where it's going. But also when you think about like, you're correct in your TMS, you have to look at routing. You, just, you create routes and maps. And so you got to understand like when orders are dropping through your order management tool, it's got to know like, hey, this is a destination that makes sense for this model. Drop it this way so that the, the warehouse operations knows, oh, this is going to go on a dedicated truck. So your your order management tools, um, really, you know, the core of your ERP system as well as your warehouse management systems are, are the tools that you're utilizing to make this model work. So I guess when it comes to, you know, you have there these new technologies coming out in cold chain, like whether we have you know, boxes that keep things for four to five days without dry ice or any of these other cold chain, cold pack type things. Is that something that you guys still look at to bring into your system um, just to see if it works better than a solution that you have? And 
how do you kind of vet those those potential options? Yeah, no, we're we're, we're constantly looking at the different types of cold chain shippers that are being developed, right? Because that's a space that continues to evolve and continues to get better because we're seeing a lot of, of entities that develop these cold chain shippers that they're looking at, how do we get more uses, more turns out of that shipper, right? And so, and as well as how do I minimize the amount of stuff that's got to go inside that box? And so we stay very close to what's being utilized in the market and is there an opportunity for that to be utilized in our operations that would benefit our manufacturer partners and their customers. I like that. It's kind of that this, this is our solution that we have now. But as anyone says, there's always room for improvement. There's always ways to grow and develop. And it's, I'd like that you guys take a big importance on that because, you know, it's you only know how well you're serving your customer until you're out there seeing what else there is. Because just because it's just because it works and it's not broken doesn't necessarily mean that it can't work better. Yeah. Right. And, and the reality is, Mary, is that is that we're getting better as time progresses, right? Where people are figuring out how to improve the the shipper and the ability to get the shipper back and reuse it again. I knew several years ago when I when I started in uh this in this industry, the percent of coolers that were reusable coolers that would come back was a very low the success rate of getting those coolers back was pretty low. Now that's getting to be pretty pretty high in a percentile as far as the ability to, to ship out a cooler and get that same cooler back and reuse it again. So now I think the industry is looking at, okay, if we've gotten better at shipping it out and getting it back, how do I make sure that I get the most amount of turns per cooler on before it's, it's not in a condition that can be used again? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I, that is something that I, that we've brought, that we've talked about a couple of times is like, you know, how do you get those containers back? How do you get them back to reuse them? And Sometimes, you know, they fold up nicely. You can put them in a like a little pouch with a shipping label, ship them back to the shipper. Or, um, you know, if you're in a circular kind of route system where, you know, you have that dedicated truck and, you know, tomorrow you're going to be back down there with the same one. You can just kind of toss it on there. Um, have you guys it does. Have you guys noticed that any certain type of uh, cooling container or any certain type of packaging is more successful at getting back or. Is it kind of just, it doesn't matter what it is, you have the same odds of trying to get that? No, I mean, I think I think some entities or organizations have, have improved that process. But I think, you know, it really comes down to the, the manufacturer of the cold chain shipper having the right processes and systems in place to track the box, but also to engage with the customers to get that box back. And so what you'll find is that a lot of these shippers may have like some type of GPS device that's in it so that the the manufacturer of the box always knows where it is and knows, you know, where to pick these up. And I think also is that a lot of the shipping points and destinations that, that we go to in the healthcare space is pretty much the same for a lot of people, right? So these are common destinations. So as these, you know, manufacturers of these cold chain boxes figure out like, oh, well, it's common to go to point A, point B, and point C. They're developing their tools and their solutions around those same locations on how to retrieve 
their boxes from those areas in an efficient way. I think that that's kind of one of the really important things going forward is that, you know, we have these great sustainability initiatives. We have all these great supply chain efficiencies, but it's kind of keeping that going that I think is the hardest part because, oh, we have this great initiative. We're going to start it out there. But okay, what does that look like a year from now? What does that look like two years from now? Is this something that is like, is this sustainability sustainable long term? So uh, I guess, how do you guys kind of um, keep up with that and make sure that, you know, you do upkeep, upkeep this efficient, sustainable supply chain solution? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, you know, we're, we're an operational excellence organization. So we're constantly focused on improving processes throughout our operations. And so we challenge ourselves every year to look at, okay, how do we simplify? How do we improve the day-to-day operations of the business? And so, you know, we'll, we'll look at and review all of our processes every year to see where are there still opportunities. And a great example that I'll tell you is that while we focused a lot on the outbound and improving the outbound on a cold chain perspective to minimize the number of boxes that are being used and, and minimize the amount of waste that that we're kind of creating in the supply chain, we then turn our attention to inbound. So the freight that's coming to us from our manufacturer partners that are cold chain may not always come in just dedicated cold chain trucks. We may get shippers on the inbound side, so we're receiving cold chain shippers. And what we found was that in some cases, a lot of these shippers could be recycled. So we recycle quite a bit. We try to make sure that we're recycling more than we're sending to the landfill. But we also found that on these inbound shipments that might have gel packs, we had all the surplus of gel packs. And these are one-time use gel packs. So, so what do you do with those gel packs? And because of our focus as a company on ESG, and looking at ways to, to improve our impact on the environment, we worked very closely as a team with different organizations to understand, you know, are there other organizations not in the pharmaceutical vein, but could use these supplies where we can do good in our community? So a great example of that is, if I've got a bunch of inbound shipments that has, you know, these coolers and these gels, you know, there's organizations like Meals on Wheels that provides a wonderful service to people in their community that, you know, struggle with, with having access to food, you know, and, and so they spend a lot of money as an organization on buying jail packs to go with these food items. Well, we're able in a position to donate those items to organizations like Mills on Wheels. What that's done for them is enable them to purchase and create more meals for more people. So we're reusing supplies in a different way than we've historically thought of or even more closely to the, our community where we where we work and operate at, you know, if you had anybody that you knew that, that played football in high school or, or middle school, well, practices can be tough. And so a lot of the high schools and the middle schools want jail packs to, to help, you know, with, with their teams after practices. And so we're able to donate and give back to our community where these supplies are getting reused versus going to a landfill, right? And, and being just waste in the supply chain. So, and our employees like that because we're giving back to the community. So as part of our operational excellence focus and our focus on our ESG goals as a company, we're looking at, okay, what are the supplies and the material that is going to the landfill? Are there other uses and purposes that we could use with those things that improve our communities, but also reduce waste in the supply chain? That is ne- like, that is some next level kind of uh, goodwill putting out in the community of, you know, we have all these things, we can't use them, but just that doesn't mean that they're not good, that they still can't be used. That is 
I honestly don't know that I've heard of anyone else doing anything similar to that. Like, and it seems so straightforward and simple. Like, oh, of course, we have all these extra packs that we're not using. Let's give them to people that use them. But I just, I think you guys are probably the first one that I've heard of that have actually taken that step to go out into the community and say, okay, well, we don't need these. You can have them. And just, I'd, very well done. Very well done, Cardinal Health. We're pretty proud of the work that the team has, has done here to really focus on this area. And, and it's exciting to see the opportunities to give back to the community. So, you know, again, it, as, as we stay focused on our ESG goals, as we focus on doing good in the communities in which we, we operate in, um, and then focusing on operational excellence, that those things kind of surface naturally as our organization say, we can do things differently. And, and let's try to do things different. So I guess when it comes to looking to the future, because honestly, like with the advancements that we have in cold chain, the fact that we've moved away from gel packs to begin with and the fact that you guys are able to donate them to the community, that's something that I probably would not have even dreamed of happening like five to seven years ago. But as we look to the future, what are some of these, do you, do you see any like cool developments on the horizon that would potentially reduce um, reduce any more environmental impacts? Do you see anything else coming up that's kind of going to be like, this might be, you know, the next big thing? Because gel packs once upon a time were the next big thing. So do you kind of see anything in the future for that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of companies that, that we work with and, and partner with are looking at ways to create, um, you know, what they would say kind of is, you know, creating a better mousetrap, right? Creating a better box that maybe doesn't require as many, you know, gels or ice bricks or other supplies, right? Having a box that is self-cooling, right? But, you, you, you know, those are things that people are looking at to try to figure out how to minimize just waste in the supply chain. And so, you know, I think the industry, you know, obviously gel packs are one thing. We've seen this shift to where a lot of companies now are using what's called phase change material, where these are materials that are that can be a little bit more effective and efficient, but also have a, a, a smaller footprint, um, you know, in, in when it comes to waste and, and the higher potential for reusability. So I think we continue to see the shift of those types of materials. Um, but I think there's a huge focus on how do I get my shipper to be reusable? So it's not a one-time use. I think it's how do we move away from one-time use boxes to solutions that we can get multiple uses out of and, and be a little bit more effective and, and cognizant of, of what's taking place in our environment that we operate in. I think that that is the that is the root answer that I think I have that has been sitting inside of me for all of like last year and this year is how do you get shippers on board? How do you get them to realize? And this is everything from like, you know, your raw product people to your manufacturers to all the way the ones that ship to end users. How do you get them to be more sustainable and how get them to adopt these efficiencies? Because if if one person in this in, in the chain has it, then how do you get everyone else to do it so that it truly is efficient and everyone's aligned throughout? And that is something that I think has become the logistics is the chicken or the egg, which came first. How do you get these shippers to do it? And um, if you have any great answers, you know. Well, I mean, I tell you, Mary, for us, the nice thing is, is that a lot of the partners we're working with, they also have ESG goals. These are th these are also priorities for their organization. So it helps when you're working with people where you all are aligned to the same kind of end goal that you want to achieve. And that makes a big difference. And so, you know, I, you know how you help others get there. I, for me, it's been 
talking about what we're doing and hopefully influencing others to figure out, hey, how do we participate and be a part of that? So with the hundreds of manufacturers we work with, we developed this transportation model. You know, it was working with them to to see the benefits to their organization as to why they want to utilize this model to minimize the amount of, you know, coolers and, and shippers and jails and things of that nature they have to use. And so, you know, I think it's it's helping others see the benefits of those changes. And when they see that, hey, those changes have a really positive benefit, you know, on both the environment and the communities that you're in, but also on your, you know, your own organization, it's a little bit easier to get people on board with those things. All right. So that being said, we are running out of time. Uh, speaking of cool takes and cool opinions, Joel, everyone that comes on the show has to answer this question. And uh, you're, you're no exception this, today. Um, so Joel, is cereal considered a soup? Uh, no, it is not. Not in my opinion. So I, I love cereal. I do not think of it as a soup. Um, now I would I would think that potentially on what cereal you're eating, if you let it sit long enough in that bowl with milk, like it could become a soup. Now, I wouldn't want to eat it at that point in time, but but no, I I do not believe it's a soup. That makes me very happy. I'm very firmly in the cereal is not a soup camp. Um, but I'm also not someone that usually eats. I think this morning I had. Uh, I know it's February, but I bought it on sale at the end of the season. I had Christmas Captain Crunch, uh, but without milk because, you know, I just like to eat it dry because I'm a monster that likes the inside of her mouth to destroy it, apparently. Um, but I'm very happy that you are in the cereal is not a soup camp. Um, it's it's the good camp to be in. Yeah, I, I'm a Lucky Charms guy, so I'm, I'm with it. So, you know, a handful of Lucky Charms without milk works good for me as well. Have you ever done the just the marshmallows of Lucky Charms? Because that's that's a special brand of sugar. That's very tempting. <laughs> All right. Well, Joel, if anyone has a great recommendation on the best place to buy uh, just marshmallow Lucky Charms, or if they have any questions about how to, you know, get their shippers to be more sustainable or anything in the uh, in that realm of things, where can they find you outside the show? Yeah, I mean, you can find me at LinkedIn uh, just by utilizing my name. Also, you can go to cardhealth.com forward slash 3PL and you can connect to us uh, through that avenue as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. All right. Thanks so much, Mary. Appreciate it. You can catch other episodes of Running a Nice right here on YouTube or anywhere else you get your podcasts like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Need more Running a Nice news? No sweat. Subscribe to the newsletter on freightwaves.com slash running a nice. See you on the internet. 